Al Anderson Afternoons, the podcast. Hello and welcome to the podcast. Coming up, Stephen Moody, the general manager of the Canadian Motor Vehicle Arbitration Plan. You get a problem with your vehicle, they can help. We'll also talk to the member of a gun club here in Winnipeg. He's got over 30 handguns. He does not like the idea of a handgun ban that's being tossed around. And Chris Isfeld, he is a melanoma patient, and he plans on running across Frozen Lake, Winnipeg in March. He calls it the Vikings Challenge. Details on that on the way as well. Please rate the podcast. Please subscribe to the podcast. And now, the podcast. Sarah wants out of her financial contract with Ford and compensation for the payments she's made while the vehicle sits in the repair shop. She would also like to see lemon laws in Canada, which adds an additional layer of warranty protection. Such laws already exist in the U.S. Unlike in Canada, where the customer has to fight all the way in situations like that, the manufacturer knows the rules are different. And after a while, they, they realize that a file like this, we, should, we better sit down and work out something with the customer to make them happy. That's what ends up happening. Sarah, who you're hearing about there, I played the whole story before the news at 1.30, but Sarah there is a BC woman, and she's upset. She bought a vehicle, and she's paying over $400 biweekly, and it sits in the shop. It's a lemon. And uh, I'm thinking, who can I talk to about lemons and lemon laws and the lack of such uh, lemon laws here in Canada? And I came across an organization called the Canadian Motor Vehicle Arbitration Plan. And the general manager of the plan, Stephen Moody, joins us on the phone now. Stephen, good afternoon. Good afternoon, Hal. I'll be honest with you. Yeah, thank you for doing this. I want to find out about this plan. Uh, You call it CAMVAP, the Canadian Motor Vehicle Arbitration Plan, and I've seen it talked about online as Canada's lemon law. How does it work? Okay, it works very easily. Consumers can come to CAMVAP when they have a problem with their vehicle, and what CAMVAP does is we're a dispute resolution program. We arbitrate cases between the manufacturer and the consumer in an attempt to resolve the issue for the consumer. Uh, We cover vehicles that are current plus four model years uh, back, so uh, cases that are 2016 and onwards are eligible uh, at this time, and that changes once every year. Uh, And the program is available for free to the consumer. It also is the same, by the way, in every province. So no matter whether you're in Manitoba or Newfoundland or British Columbia, uh, the consumer has access to the same program and will be treated the same way. How's the success rate? Success rate for consumers is in around 70%. If the if we include settlements and cases that don't fully go through the program because the manufacturer and consumer settled, if the case goes to arbitration, it's fairly close to 50%. And looking at 2008 statistics, there were uh, five cases in uh, Manitoba where two of them resulted in buybacks, two of them resulted in repairs uh, for the vehicle, and one was a uh, case where the arbitrator determined the manufacturer had no liability in the uh, claim that was being brought forward by the consumer. Boy, that's a, even just looking at the Manitoba cases, the five cases here, that's a pretty good track record, eh? 
It's it, 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 it's an average track record, uh, and I think it is a good track record. Uh, the program is completely independent of the manufacturers, although we are funded by them, and manufacturers sit on our board, but more government and consumer members uh, sit on our board than uh, uh, than manufacturers do. Our arbitrators are completely neutral. Uh, they're engaged on a fee-for-service basis. They get paid and get used as we need them. And uh, arbitrators are uh, resident in the province where the uh, case is going to be held. We have, I think, four or five arbitrators in Manitoba. So I have never heard of CAMVAP, and uh, I wonder if a lot of other people maybe haven't heard of it either. How long have you been around? Are you seeing more and more people coming to you every year? How are you getting the word out to people? Okay, firstly, we've been around a long time, 25 years. Wow. Uh, secondly, we get our word out. If you were to look in the ownership manual of your uh, vehicle, in most cases with most manufacturers, you'd find information about CAMBAM. If you had a problem with your uh, vehicle and Googled, you know, I need help with my vehicle, uh, coming from a Canadian IP address, you would find that uh, CAMBAM would be one of the choices or one of the uh, documents and information that would come up to you. If you called organizations such as the Consumer Protection Office in Manitoba, they would refer you to us. And in lots of cases, dealers uh, refer ca- consumers to us as well if they've got a problem that they can't, uh, uh, can't resolve. But I, I can tell you that, you know, just sort of doing a quick look, uh, 23, excuse me, 35% of our uh, uh, refer- referrals came from government agencies and 19 from Internet uh, searches. Uh, 23 actually came from industry sources, people looking at their manuals, talking with the dealer, uh, finding out about us there. Uh, 8% came from asking a friend, which is one of my favorites. That means uh, somebody knows about the program. Uh, Obviously, I don't want you to weigh in on this specific case in B.C. It's not here. It's in B.C. Um, More was just a conversation starter for us talking about lemons. Is that a lot of the time what you see, a vehicle that just has multiple issues as opposed to, you know, my, my, because other stuff I would imagine, usually it would be taken care of uh, between, uh, say, a dealership and a customer, right? It's in, it's in the dealership's best interest to deal with minor issues. I imagine the stuff you look at are big issues like lemons, for example. Definitely the big issues uh, do come to us, but actually more often than not, it would be smaller issues or one or two issues, not multiple issues, although definitely those kind of program uh, cases come to the program. Uh, sometimes, too, it depends on how much the uh, consumer can accept before they start looking for a way to resolve the issue outside of going back to the dealer for repairs. And you are right, it is in the manufacturer and the dealer's best interest to try to resolve the issue with the consumer because it helps them keep that consumer into their uh, product line. But sometimes that just doesn't work, and that's really why we're here. Stephen, I really oh, one more thing. Do we see we talk about brands, and I've been saying in talking about this, this one in BC, and it happens to involve a Ford. I don't think it's about brands. I think when there's lemons, they're just lemons, right? I I don't think it's about brands. Um, do you guys keep track of brands and and which brands you see more of or or less of, or or do you look at it that way? We don't look at it that way, but we do report on our website all of the cases each year. 
Hmm. Uh, and in fact, they're alphabetically uh, sorted. So you can sort of look at how many cases did any individual manufacturer have, and then you can break it down further as to what kind of vehicle it is. But often the issue with uh, uh, that kind of reporting is the, it, it's, it's based on what the consumer is willing to accept right. uh, and do, and it's uh, based on a lot of circumstances other than just the vehicle. Yeah. Hey, Stephen, one of the great parts of my job is I get to learn a lot. And I learned about your organization today. I did not know it existed, and I'm really glad you made time to tell us about it. Thanks a lot. Thank you very much. Ottawa, Toronto, Montreal have all called on the federal government to get going on a handgun ban in cities. Uh, it'll only work, I think, if it's in cities and municipalities. City Councilor Sherry Rollins, she likes the idea of a handgun ban. She's calling on Prime Minister Trudeau to get it done. Yesterday, Constable Rob Carver, Winnipeg Police, said that he does not think it would work. Tried to get him on today. He's unavailable, unfortunately, to have a conversation with me. But I did track down a member of a gun club because if you think about this idea of a handgun ban, it would certainly affect them. Jay Mangat is uh, the person I'm talking about, and he joins us on the phone now. Jay, good afternoon. Good afternoon, Hal. How are you? Excellent. Thank you for doing this. So I'll be honest with you. I phoned many, maybe every gun club in the city of Winnipeg, and you called me in the newsroom out of the blue. So your gun club got a hold of you to call me, and I really appreciate yes. that. So so give your gun club a mention. Well, it's, I'm a member at the Extreme Gun Club. I've uh, been shooting there for a few years already. It's, um, it's a very friendly atmosphere. Um, I think uh, Councillor Sherry Rollins there, and our Prime Minister Trudeau, and people with that type of thinking are severely misinformed. I was shocked to hear a person with a public office, such as a councillor, MP, or an MP, will make statements that are blatantly disregard to known facts that banning legally obtained handguns does not work. Like you said, Constant, Constable uh, Rob Carver from City of Winnipeg Police with 20 plus years of experience said that such bans does not work. And how does Councillor expect to, um, Sherry Rollins expect uh, to take those legally obtained handguns or guns from criminals as a law-abiding gun owner? I get a background check daily. Even the police, teachers, and doctors, firemen, they don't get a background check daily. Yeah, and so obviously you're not happy about that. How passionate are you about your, your gun club membership? Do you go a lot? Do you, do you shoot your handgun a lot? Have you got more than one? I'm just curious. Uh, I shoot a lot. I was there yesterday, last night. I go about three, four times a week. Uh, I probably have, like, lots of handguns, um, probably, like, over 30, you know? Wow. And I have lots of money invested into it. Um, in order to get a handgun license in Canada... You have to take two courses previously before you can even apply. And when you do apply, you, it, you go through a, a vigorous background check. Your spouse has to authorize it on your application that your spouse is okay for you to have a, owning a, a restricted license. So, I mean, we go through a ringer, like quite a bit of stuff before they're even allowed to, to, um, to, uh, to own a handgun. Even yeah. after you get your license, before I can even go purchase... I get another background check before I can even take the handgun home, and 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 it's uh, it's a lot of restrictions as it is, 
And um, I'm just shocked that people such as the counselor, that they're so quick to jump on these bandwagons that without any known, knowing any facts or, you know what I mean, background behind it, I'm a teacher at a college and, I, and the people that I shoot with, some of them are professional doctors, lawyers, and all sorts of uh, people from all walks of life. And, um, and just to uh, put us on the same level as a criminal, it, it's, it's a pretty, pretty not a good feeling, you know. Yeah, like I, I, I don't get the I don't get the sense that uh, uh, Councillor Rollins feels that way about you and other handgun owners. Um, I just think she feels like it, you know some might say she's throwing the baby out with the bathwater, but I think she just feels like if we get rid of the handguns, the problem goes away. But how, I I I don't think that's the how, case, and I don't sense you she, think that too. How how is she going to propose to take the handguns that are already circulating in the city? from smuggled in through Canada and all that, you know what I mean? Yeah. Through the borders, borders entries. Right. And yet, you know, I mean, criminals are not going to line up and say, here's my gun. And and another thing that really kind of bothers me, as, as a gun owner, it, it trusts me, it bothers I me. Mean, every time I hear a gun incident, it, it, it really bothers me as a gun owner. But on the same token, you, you hear a gun incident, they automatically assume it's a, it's a handgun. Do, they don't, because they don't usually tell you what type of gun. All they tell you is it's a gun. You know what I mean? And it automatically becomes a handgun, you know. And and as um as a gun owner, like I said, when 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 a drunk driver kills a person, you don't go out there and start blaming the vehicle. You know, we don't ban vehicles, saying, "Hey, there's X number of people killed by a car. A guy could be breaking the law, speeding, or he could be going through a red light. He kills a person. You don't blame the vehicle." But in this in in, in gun. In, 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 uh, when it comes to a gun, it automatically is the evil gun. And I don't think that is fair. And, peop- and people that are making some of these comments are very educated. I just don't see how they can come up with that conclusion, you know. Like a distracted driver kills a person with a vehicle. You don't blame the cell phone. You blame that person. for, for we, we, In society, we always talk about taking action for, for, your, for, your, for what you do. But on, 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 as a gun owner, it's not even – I could be the law-abiding citizen. I do everything right by the book, and I still get uh, my hobby. Like, I mean, it's, it's being criminalized by, by people like uh, the counselor there and, and Justin Trudeau, for, for that matter of fact, you know, because they they're saying, well, we don't, we don't, uh, we're not going against uh, people that are legally. But how, are you, how can I think any otherwise, you know what I mean? Yeah, I'll tell you what, Jay. You're you're doing a great job representing uh, handgun owners and and users. Let me ask you one more question. I want to get this in Please. before I run out of time. Uh, some people sure. will say, "Okay, you know, Jay's a good guy. He's careful with his guns." What happens if somebody breaks into Jay's house, takes the guns, and now those thirty handguns that you have are on the streets of sure. Winnipeg, causing sure. problems? Then then it is sure. a bad guy I, who's got your gun. Sure, sure, sure. I get that. I, Things are going to happen. There's going to be people are going to get breaking into the houses and stuff. I get that. I just for just for um for your for your information, the RCMP, the officer, the firearm officer, they were at my house. Through it, they went through my house. They went through um because uh, since I own that large number of guns, they 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 phoned me up. They they did an interview with me, and they uh, they went through my house. They went through all the serial number of the guns, make sure everything is stored properly. And I got thumbs up on that part. And and for, to back to your topic, if guns get stolen out of the house, there's cars, vehicles get stolen all day long. 
There's cars that get stolen. Do we start banning cars? We don't start banning vehicles just because they get stolen. I mean, we, we find solutions. We, we got to go after the criminal, and it's not the law-abiding gun owners. We're not the criminal here. If, if, if you got guys that are breaking into people's houses, you need to go after those people because my house is my sanctuary. Like, that's my kingdom. You know what I mean? I pay for that, and, and I think I have a right to, 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 to be feeling safe in my house. And if somebody comes take something from my driveway, just say they stole my car, and then they run through a, put that car through a, a group of people, and then they get killed, are they going to ban my car? Like, I mean, yeah. is that fair? Hey, um, like, I mean, Jay, I want to ask you one more thing here. I'm just about out of time. Um, how much of your hand ownership of handguns is about, you know, going to the shooting range and shooting, and how much of it is for your protection in your home? No protection. I don't use them for protection at all. That's for my protection, the city of Winnipeg police. Police does the p- protection. I don't, the guns are for my hobby to, to go out, take shooting, and being a gun responsible gun owner, I take my kid. I have a 13-year-old and a 24-year-old. They go out. We, we, we have a great time, and I meet a lot of great people at the Extreme Gun Club. I mean, uh, we, we, we have fun. And then uh, every night, we, after you're done, you're locked. Your guns are empty. You, you put a trigger lock on it, and then you're, 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 you put it in a secondary box. That's tr- locked again, and then you put it right into your trunk of your vehicle. And you cannot stop anywhere like uh, while you're transporting those firearms. You've got to go from point A to point B, not even stopping for gas. So, I mean, we try our best as, as, a, as a gun owner. Like, I mean, it just I think people should – should uh, really, really, like, I mean, okay, I have a hobby that is guns. And then I don't go out there and start dictating people how they, they like, I mean, there's in sports, you, you have hockey, guys get into a fight. I've heard of guys getting killed in hockey. Like, I mean, the guy got, took a wrong shot in the face and then hits the ice and then they die. Do you ban hockey? But it's just, I think we need to take people on what they do. Like, I mean, you, uh, for their actions, not for, uh, for the objects. We shouldn't go after things but we should go after it with people with consequences. Hey, Jay, great job. Thank you very much. I really appreciate your time today getting your point across. Uh, it was an important voice to be heard, and we heard, well, it, you, we heard it loud I, and clear from you. It was, it, it was, it was awesome to hear that because usually as a gun owner, we don't get no media exposure. Like I said, we would invite you to our gun club at the Extreme. You, you and your fellow news, news people, they're welcome to come try. You'll have fun. It's a very good stress reliever, you know. And like I said, you will have a good time. Jay, thanks a lot. Thank you. But right now, our next guest, Chris Isfeld. He is a melanoma patient, and he has an event planned in March. It's called a Vikings Challenge, a run across frozen Lake Winnipeg. Chris, everybody I uh, tell this to, their eyes go big and they go, Really? And I was actually kind of surprised to see that it's only 30 kilometers from Grand Beach to Gimli. I thought it was further than that. Yeah, it's about 17 miles, um, 17, 18 miles, so 30 kilometers. And, uh, yeah, I grew up on on the west shore of Lake Winnipeg in Gimli and, uh, you know, never ever imagined running across it. But, uh, you know, this the current events have led me to this challenge and, here I am. Well, we'll get to what motivated you uh, to do this, uh, and then we'll talk more about the challenge itself. 
Uh, as I said, you're a, you're a melanoma patient. When were you diagnosed? Right. Tell us about that. How did it all happen? Uh, give us the background here. All right. Well, uh, just about two years ago, um, you know, there wasn't a lot of symptoms. Uh, and I, you know, felt quite normal. And then one day I had a, had a bit of a pain uh, just under my right lower rib and decided that it was, you know, bad enough for me to go see my GP. And so he sent me for an ultrasound. Um, we suspected at that time it would be gallstones because I was otherwise very healthy. Uh, but it turned out that uh, I was full of melanoma. Most of my organs were already uh, in- affected by that time. And uh, and then by January 20th, uh, I had gone to bed that evening and, and was in extreme pain from a specific point on my lower back and, and decided again it was bad enough that I needed to visit the ER. Walked into the ER, but very shortly after that collapsed and woke up in the back, uh, you know, with my clothes being cut off and IVs being hooked up to me uh, and, uh, you know, realized at that point that I was partially paralyzed from the waist down. My gosh. And that's two mm-hmm. years and that's two years ago that all this began. Two years ago, right. Yep. Yeah, almost to the day. Huh. And now, when you're, I just missed you. You were in Winnipeg. You're now not in Winnipeg. So when you're in Winnipeg, I want you to come in studio and we'll spend more time talking about everything you've been through. So skip ahead two years. How did you get the idea for a Vikings challenge or run across (laughs) frozen Lake Winnipeg? My understanding is you turned to running. Um, while going through this, and and then right. you came up with this crazy idea. Yeah, I was a runner prior to. Um, you know, I had done a, a few half marathons and a couple trail races. And you know, when when um, you know, I was completely shocked by by the situation I was in. But you know, once I got the use of my legs back and and started, you know, the treatment obviously had a major effect and and um you know reversed the situation i was in and once i once i got mobile again i decided that you know i wanted to prove to myself that i could do another half marathon and so i started training again for a race last spring um and then it was about this time again last year that i a friend of mine sean bjornson in winnipeg posted a photo after he did a 5k run in like minus 40 i think it was and for some reason, I just made a comment and said, hey, I'll race you across the lake just as a joke. But a week later, I thought about it and thought, you know what, this is an absolutely great idea. Gives me something to focus on. And, uh, you know, obviously, um, you know, with my diagnosis, I had, you know, gotten to know the folks at Savior Skin Foundation very well and decided that, uh, yeah, I should do it as a fundraiser and raise money for them. How can people help out with the fundraising? Uh, they can, we do have a, a donation page set up, um, bit.ly, uh, a vikingschallenge.com. So if somebody searches a Vikings challenge, chances are it'll, it'll pop up and, and they can help out. And what is, what yeah. is the weather going to be like? What's the date again? March? March 7th. What's the weather going to be like on a frozen Lake Winnipeg, 30 kilometers yeah. from Grand Beach over to Gimli? What's the weather going to be like out there? Well, you know what weather what weather in Manitoba can be like? It's completely unpredictable. It could be, you know, minus 5 and sunny, or it could be minus 30 and blowing. 
Yeah, I guess so, you don't know, very eh? Very unpredictable. No, we don't know. So I've, you know, I've got a number of different uh, pairs of shoes that I've been trying out for different conditions, and and yeah, I've been back and forth. I'll be back again in February to do some more training out there because it's hard to replicate those conditions in in Vancouver. No kidding. Yeah. Not even, not even close. Well, when you're no, back, not even close. yeah, when you're back, please come in studio and we'll, ha- and we'll have a longer conversation about what you've been through and what you're going through, and we'll we'll tee this up again and remind people uh, that it's happening. H- how is your health? You had to go back home um, for treatment. How how is your health now? Yeah, I've got a treatment coming up either Friday or Saturday this week, and one more in February, and that will be a full two years of treatment. Uh, and my last scan in November showed that I only had one tumor left. So I am on the road to becoming NED, which means no evidence of disease. Wow. And in two, isn't, remarkable. In, isn't it remarkable? A miracle. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Nobody expected me when I was admitted to the hospital. Not many people expected me to survive. So it is, it is quite a miracle. I believe so. Yeah. I believe that too. Yeah. Well, listen, I'm really happy you're doing well. I'm sorry I missed you, but like I said, when you're out here again, we'll get you on. I want I want to meet you, shake your hand, and wish you sure. all the best as you run across a frozen Lake Winnipeg, a Vikings challenge. I love it because I've, right. I've got Norwegian heritage, so I, I, I love the, the title, and I wish you all the best uh, with the treatment and also with the challenge, my friend. Thank you for the opportunity, and we will see you when I'm out there next time. We will talk again soon. Chris Isfeld, he is uh, running across a frozen Lake Winnipeg in March. Wow. Magic. Hal Anderson Afternoons, the podcast, is available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and anywhere you find your favorite podcasts.